gonna start the recording now. That was yeah, fucking that was... great. I loved it. Like, there's nothing it's, else it, I can say. It's a it's a pretty like different t t take on a horror movie. Well, it's. It, I think this is the fastest something has rocketed from. I had never heard of it before. Like all I knew was the title. When you said, "Hey, do you want to do the people under the stairs?" I'm like, "Sure, I like basements. That sounds fine." Like, <laughs> like we went from. I went from knowing nothing about it to other than you said you included in the the black horror movie list. So you know, black directors, black main characters, you included in that list. That's all I knew, and I just loved every minute of it. Pretty much, that was so. It was so good. <laughs> It was a fun movie. Like you have this really interesting setup, and it's directed by Wes Craven, who it's like may not be a black, uh, you know, black director, but you know is really good at making fucking horror movies, and it's a predominantly black cast. Um, I guess I can do the quick summary. It's actually really simple. So, uh, movie starts with uh, Poindexter, uh, main character, usually just called Fool, because it starts with a little tarot motif. They don't really do anything with the tarot we talk about it later but um yeah. his family is hard up for money and uh his big sister's friend it's unclear exactly what kind of friend he is but he is trying to get the fool to help him to uh do some robberies to get the money because they're about to be evicted um one of the robberies or the the big score is going is them going to um this creepy house that is boarded up really good and lived in by a spooky couple and it turns out things are indeed very spooky as the uh the robbery attempt goes as sideways as anything can go turns out the house has got chuds the couple is even more spooky than anyone could have imagined uh the house is also looney tunes through and through uh, <laughs> i think this is actually a sequel to nothing but trouble uh to tell you the truth <laughs> and things just blow up and it's it's weird it feels longer than it is in a good way like i was at the one hour point and i felt like the movie was almost done but no it's it's an hour and 40 minutes long so there is after the initial confrontation there is a return to the house it has a big violent uh finale and it's just a fun fun thrill ride it reminds me a lot of um so this is I guess the Wikipedia page says comedy horror. Would you, how would you assess that one? It's it it's weird. It borderlines on comedy horror, but like there's enough of like it can get like it can become Looney Tunes to one of the most more unsettling movies you'll watch because one of the biggest uh, themes of this movie is I guess like child abuse and, and the the true and evil racism. the true evil is racism and landlords so i can totally get behind west craven right here you know it's, it, it's who, who doesn't who the, doesn't hate those things you know who hates property ownership cuz fuck those people yeah yeah like it's so i want to say in terms of comedy horror it's not trying to be funny most of the time it uses comedy as kind of a punctuation mark it reminds me a lot of evil dead 1 and 2 in that regard yeah i think i've made the comparison before but it those are you know landmark movies so it makes sense to compare to them um yeah it reminds me of those in that there are some like laugh out loud funny hoot and holler at the movie moments mostly slapstick stuff like the scene where uh, Poindexter hits the dad over the head with a, uh, the back of a toilet seat, and he just makes the not toilet seat. It was um, damn it, where was it? Just it's a big a brick, like a big yeah. paver or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he yeah, he, he hits, hits dude. He hits the dad. He hits daddy in the head so many times. <laughs> like at one okay. point, he just runs up to him and punches him in the nuts. Like just yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. Doesn't even like, give a shit. This movie is 
so much fun. It's like it it gets it's what I was noting as I was watching this is it is actually really good at building tension. You've got a lot of kind of lingering scenes where it, it's setting up the violence that's going to happen. And it's also really good at being cartoony when things do get violent. Like you again, you got a guy get straight up punched in nuts. He gets hit in the head like seven or eight times in the movie, like stuff smashed over his head. You've got a lot of weird chasing fight scenes that have a strange chaotic energy to them. There's like parts where it's almost like a Scooby-Doo cartoon where they go yeah, through yeah. and out. You've got of hallway like- scenes. You got doors flying open and yelling and people chasing each other around. Like it gets cartoony. Like the leather daddy scene where he just goes around shooting the fucking walls with the shotgun. Yeah, uh, they, they don't explain that very well. But so the two main antagonists, uh, mommy and daddy, daddy he he puts on a gimp suit and runs around with a shotgun for some reason for like a couple stretches of the movie i don't know why he needs it but they he believes he needs it because mommy at one point is like get the suit get the gun like okay (laughs) oh man like i the the house being looney tunes i i am totally willing to go with it because of how good it makes the movie but there's like a all the walls have about three and a half feet between them <laughs> like so people can get through it has random ramps and trap doors and whatever else you know what this is this is like a reverse home alone movie where mccoy culkin or as in this case fool invades the robber's yeah. house and he has to outwit all it, the traps so this is this is resident evil nine home alone zero uh nothing but trouble Gaiden. That is, <laughs> that is the Chud Chud Five. Uh, that is the people under the stairs. Um, I actually had a hard time dating this movie. Interestingly enough, like it's apart from so there's footage of the first Gulf War, um, and I mean you can maybe try by the fashion and the cars you see, but like a lot of this is not very connected to a particular era. Like I was guessing mid '80s at first because I just didn't know anything about the movie, so it. it Dated itself a little bit more like um, Leroy. He's the the crime friend. He he dresses like cursed Hotep images. Txt the the Twitter account. You know he's got the whole the whole <laughs> get up going yeah. on. Um, but even then, I was guessing it could have been the eighties. So it's it's in that eighties nineties milieu. You know, um, yeah. I, I I guess we're already kind of segueing into look, feel, and sound. This movie is. I want to say dirty, like even like the rich person house in this movie. Yeah, is like dirty. I, I mentioned Resident Evil. It like is, if you play Re- RE7, especially that's a lot of like up close and personal looks at dusty, disused, crumbling shit. There's a lot of that in this film. Good set design too. Like they, there's there's a lot of nicely designed sets where you get a sense of how creepy things are just by how run down the place is. But then they get it all nice when the cops come over at one point. Yeah, they they straighten up. They're really good at straightening up the house when uh you know people are. I hear are it's a magical over. art that improves your life, think... straightening things up. You know, they they turn the entire thing from looking mm-hmm. like a murder house to looking like an idyllic fifties thing in like three hours or something. <laughs> the sound, um, if you like movies with indistinct yelling, that's not even words, just kind of yelling. This is the movie for you. It is a very 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 loud movie with just gunshots. The other thing I was going to say with sound is that whenever someone is yelling loud enough or yelling from a particular place, 
the movie just treats them as having a megaphone and it's just like you can hear it from everywhere. Yeah. A good portion of this movie, you're just hearing and just like people <laughs> yelling not words, which is interesting. Just screaming at the top of their lungs just from any direction. Well, this movie came came out in 1991. Yeah, yeah, 91. So, you know, Gulf War, it's kind of the, the setting. Mm-hmm. They, I was just reading about the satirical elements of it. So... The premise is that, you know, mommy and daddy are landlords. You know, they, they're buying up buildings and taking over neighborhoods and they're racist as hell, you know. And it juxtaposes that with you've got a scene with like, oh, yeah, the bombs are coming down in Baghdad and the sky's lit up by tracers. And like, you know, the hoarding of wealth is definitely a theme in this film. Oh, I'm reading this. Apparently, this movie was uh, partially inspired by a news story from the late 70s in which two African-American burglars broke into a Los Angeles household, inadvertently causing the police to discover two children who had been locked away by their parents. Okay. I guess you could also consider it of a kind with, like, Unbreakable. Unbreakable has a pretty, uh, you know, that sort of set up. Like, it's, it's, a it was in the pop culture sphere by that point, you know, uh, people being held captive. Um, This movie takes it to the nth degree in that this couple is... Well, couple, and we're going to spoil the other thing. Also, brother and sister. We never see them do incest stuff. They're just kind of being weird together and, like, trying to raise their creepy little family. I wouldn't say weird. Just borderline insane. And we're going to talk about uh, these two actors, like, performances in this movie in a little bit. But they really sell this fucking Daddy, yeah. Like, Daddy loves being wild-eyed and just shouting a lot and, like, stumbling over things and getting hurt. He's like a racist oh my god (laughs) just a crazy ass redneck just just with all these different expressions on yeah he emotes so hard all the time um god racist earnest i'm not getting that out of my head that's (laughs) racist incest leather daddy shotgun earnest <laughs> Rest in peace, Jim Varney. We love you. Uh, but uh, lo- love you, Jim Varney. We're going to do uh, Ernest Scared Stupid one of these. That days should be the Halloween episode. That's that's the plan. Um, that's going to be one of our Halloween uh, October themed uh, episodes. Uh, actually, October is just going to be us watching Troll Two every day of the month and recording an episode on it each time. I'm sorry. I'm down with that. I mean, how how. How far can I It's test kind of my like sanity? a kaleidoscopic uh, hellscape of pain that every time you watch it, you'll find new ways to suffer. <laughs> we should do. Uh, we watched the Wizard and Super Mario Bros. Now that's back horror. To back yeah. No, I, I actually did that as a kid. I want. I was. I didn't have a Nintendo anymore, so I was obsessed with watching. Well, both before I got my Nintendo and after I had to give my Super Nintendo to my neighbor, I watched those movies a bunch. Um, <laughs> Why'd you, have, why'd you have to give your Parents Super Nintendo Parents didn't want me owning multiple consoles. I know. It's bullshit. But uh, getting uh, back on track, right. um, the this movie was so fun. Like, I, it's, it's sprightly. It's constantly moving from scene to scene. Really easy to follow. It never feels like it drags. Which, you know, pretty decent running time. But it, it mm. keeps up really well through the entire thing. Like, for being a movie that makes you uncomfortable, it's extremely also very fun. Like, there's a scene where... Um, also mild spoilers in the movie there's a kid that's inside the walls that escaped and is helping um you know the full runner uh, basically hide or whatever escape leather dad uh, leather daddy racist earnest he's <laughs> he's a hero chud. Yeah, yeah, he's a good version of a chud like you yeah. the 
so I guess we're missing the other thing is that so mommy and daddy have been raising raising children to be their perfect. They want a perfect boy child and the perfect girl child is what the movie implies. The girl child is still in progress. Her name is Alice and she's actually instrumental to the plot. We somehow haven't mentioned her yet, but um, the the failed children who did something they didn't like in some way basically get turned into chuds. They like they. That's the scene. What was it? The scene: "No evil, hear no evil, and speak no evil." Yeah, it's implied that, that like that they they they, the they are surgically mutilated in some way and kept in a basement and fed human meat from salespeople. But they have they get to have flashlights and they have a TV down there. So who's to say if it's actually bad or not? I don't know. It's like I think we're just missing like the side. I think the children yeah, are happy. I, uh, you know, they're not complaining about their conditions. Who are we to judge the the parenting style of these two fine, upstanding citizens? Um, again, like you were saying, it is a horrific movie. Like it's it walks a really interesting line where it's being scary in a cartoonish way that I find a lot of fun. Like there's genuine tension in a lot of these scenes where characters are hiding in the walls, running through the walls. And there's like shot cartoony shotgun blasts blowing things apart as they go or I think my favorite set piece is when Fool uh, delivers a electric shock from an electrified door handle through himself, through another person, to a dog, and they all like flip out and fall <laughs> oh, over yes. the floor. Like it, it has moments where you want to cheer. Like it, I was cheering at my screen for for a good portion of this. Uh, I was too. There's a there's a lot of cheering when every time you see like Ernest, uh, racist Ernest, get hit in the head with a fucking um. I don't know. Rather, I think there was a, a lamp. There was a brick. There was like a paving stone. A, a lamp. Um, yes, paving stone. Or or on the what was it? Uh, yep. Fire smash with a fire yes, poker. There's a lot of there, che- there's good slapstick in this. I think. Well, I was gonna say there's a few pratfalls. It doesn't quite sell. Like one of the gimmicks is in the basement where the the people are kept. Um, the stairs fold into just like an inclined ramp, but they do it slowly enough that I don't think you'd even fall down it. Cause like fool, they fold and fool like tumbles down it dramatically, but then he just walks back up it a little bit later. It's like, ah, eh, could have done that one a little better. And you've got some, some weird stunts. Like uh, someone falls off the roof at one point and it looks kind of fake to me, but I mean, that's a pretty minor, minor complaint. Like some iffy stunt work on the tumbling and falling. Like that's not a huge deal. Okay, uh, sidetrack for a second. We're going to talk about the acting in this movie because I feel like it's important. Um, like, Poindexter or the Fool is played by Bra- uh, He's Brandon. He's great. And like, primo tip top child acting. Yeah, for yeah. A child actor? Yes, a, a thousand percent. Like, usually with child actors, and especially in a horror movie, they can range from being eh to being insufferable where you actually want the child to die. Brandon Adams, Brandon Adams doesn't have that problem. He's a. He's, he can hold his own and as an actor, and so can Alice. All the children actors are really well done in this movie. Even Roach has no lines of dialogue in this he is movie. The, he is the One perfect of the level of plucky to be in R-rated Goonies, which is this movie, in, in a way. Um, also, yes. just looking at his credits, oh, he was in Mighty Ducks, Sandlot. Um, Kingdom Hearts 2 is one of is Rye, who's one of the guys from Twilight Town. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Oh, Cool. His credits kind of drop off on Wikipedia, at least. Maybe, maybe there's more on IMDb, but he was good. I, I liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. Alice is Alice also really good child or young teen acting there. Um, <laughs> mommy and Daddy are 
fucking nuts and they sell it so well. Well, there's there's some interesting code switching going on because like mommy is clearly the uh, brains of the operation. Like she's directing daddy around like go upstairs, find him, shoot him, whatever. And daddy like he does some weird kind of code switching. Like at one point in the movie when the cops come over, he's just like chilling out, lighting his pipe saying, oh, it's fine to come over officers. There's nothing going on here. But like he's acting normal. And then when they leave, he like goes back into yeah. being a weird like horror hick villain type of thing. Kind of like he just switches back <laughs> yeah. to that state and puts on the, the gimp suit again. And he- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. God, like. God, who are the few people that were in the, the who is this? Everett McGill, okay, and Wendy Robbie. Everett McGill, what has he been in? Oh, he was in Twin Peaks. Yeah, I, I don't see a whole lot of movie credits after this one. You know, there's there's a few here and there, but oh, I, that's where I recognize him, and he's the uh, Reverend in uh, Silver Bullet, which is a, a horror movie, a Stephen King movie about a werewolf. I want to see it. Also, it has Gary Buse. Has Gary I want to see this guy it. fight Gary Busey. Hell yeah. Sounds great. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Oh, there's Vig Rames. Ving Rames was in this movie. Um, if you don't recognize Ving Rames, he's... Oh, yeah, he was... Oh, with, uh, I know Ving Rames. I didn't know he was in... He was Leroy in this, huh? Like, I didn't... Uh, yeah, he's a uh, Luther. I'm so used to how he looks as Luther, Luther in Mission Impossible. Impossible that I didn't immediately recognize yeah. him as Leroy in this, but I yeah, like Ving Rames a lot. He's great. That's very cool. Yeah. Oh, I love him. He's he's fantastic. He's a lot of fun. Well, I I love that in Mission Impossible now, like Ethan Hunt calls him up and he just shows up in like a Hawaiian shirt and straw hat, no matter what the situation. Like, that's my Ethan, you know, (laughs) he's fun. Um, Yeah, I I guess we kind of covered most of it. The thoughts are that it is just fucking excellent. It is uh, alternately tense and scary and funny and full of heart. As a great message that people who accumulate wealth and exploit others are fucking evil and deserve to be ripped apart by chuds, um, it's yeah. it's a it's a riot. Just if you haven't seen this movie yet, drop everything, watch it right now. Don't mind that you've been mildly spoiled by us. It is fucking good. So the whole idea: could you do a remake or sequel or anything of the sort? Um, turns out there is some word of God on that. Uh, before he died, Wes Craven said that he was interested in remaking this one along with others. And then shortly, like right around the time of his death, it was said that sci-fi was looking at a TV series. I would be afraid to have this one remade. Not because they'd completely missed the point. I think like a lot of these, uh, eighties and nineties ones where you're in the comedy horror area, I think someone would either push too hard on the comedy or the horror on a movie that's already just so nicely balanced in that area, you know? I would love, I would love not to see Rob Zombie make this movie, but Jordan Peele to remake this movie because I feel like he, I feel like he would be perfect for this remake. Oh my God. I want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm, I'm on board. I want the remake again. If Jordan Peele is doing the remake. Yes. Yes. I, that, that is a film I desperately want to see. Um, I mean, it already kind of says its piece. You know, it it's surprisingly <laughs> incisive about this because, like, they, they're explaining the background of Mommy and Daddy is that, oh, they ran the funeral home selling shitty coffins, and then they became property owners and business owners, and they went even more insane with greed and cruelty. And it's like, yeah, that that's how it works. That's, that's, they, have a little, they have a literal Scrooge McDuck pile of money in the basement. It's like, <laughs> this is not a subtle film when it comes to... Uh, the message it's delivering. Like, it's a very funny satire in that area. It is. It is. 
Oh, God. This movie is great. And I am glad that it's the first movie that we picked for our um, Black uh, Black uh, Horror-a-thon. Which, 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 who, ah, what should we follow up with this uh, movie you, with? So, a movie that kind of presses definition of horror a little bit. I personally consider it such. We talked about doing the Black Klansman for one of them because I consider that movie a historical horror comedy and the horror is of an institutional creeping pervasive variety rather than a guy chasing you around with a knife or monsters variety. I I agree with that because in this day's political climate, this yeah, movie is yeah. terrifying. Well, it's, it's comedy is. horror in the sense of you are faced with some things that are so terrible that the only response other than to cry is to laugh. Like that's, that's a lot of what drives the black Klansman is why I would say you could construe it as horror comedy. Yes. If you want to stretch the definition for that movie, which is an excellent movie. And I'm very excited for it. Um, you mentioned a couple others, right? We could also, yes. Uh, I didn't mention this one. We could also follow up with another Wes Craven movie that the very same vein, which put Tony Todd on the map as a, um, What's his name? I'm pretty sure it's a... Is it not a What's Craven movie? I swear to God, I thought it was. Um, let's see. Candyman. Let's see. Candyman, a 1992 film. Oh, it was... It's a Clive Barker the movie. The other big, so, big name in horror. Okay. So, yeah. Clive, we could also do Candyman, which is very similar in, to, in terms of like a... Um, black horror because of, <clears throat> of the thing of uh, uh, what is it urban legends and whatnot oh my god this one is this kind is, of oof. just thinking a little bit uh, kind of a thought from way back i found this one kind of hard to place in terms of both location and time like you see a couple outdoor street shots and you don't see the skyline very much i think it's supposed to be la because they mentioned yeah. smog and that's an la thing but sorry just just backpedaling yeah. way far i was just crossing my mind but yeah, just a excellent movie. Uh, Peel remake, yes. Anyone else remake? Eh, pretty cautious about that. No, I think I... they would make they would make the slapstick wrong. I I feel like it's it's a product of a particular God. time in the way it was cheesy. There are maybe a few people out there who could do it right today. Um, you know, but mm-hmm. they'd have to be just the right sort of Raimi esque comedy horror. Uh, expertise to get it to work oh exactly of course and it is pretty raimi-esque like would you say this is one of the more raimi-like things that Wes craven's done or yeah i would say so it's very clear on the comedy it's there's humor in it and it's kind of hard not to laugh at when you know i'm gonna keep bringing up that scene but the fact that the guy's face when he gets hit over with like the tool at the what was it called? You it's, keep saying it. It's like a paver, like a big flat brick thing. Yeah, yeah, a paver. He gets hit in the head with a freaking paver and then just makes the dumbest. Dude, he's emoting face. so hard. He, uh, uh, another connection to uh, to Raimi is that he he makes some face ex- facial expressions that are reminiscent of like Bruce Campbell in Evil Dead. Like he's got some, some wild faces that remind me, like evil version, eviler, but. Yes. God, what a fun film. I. I'm going to recommend this one to all my friends. I think I'm going to watch it with another pal who I watch movies with just because I don't think he's seen this and he would love every minute of it. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell yourself, go, go watch this film. And may you burn in hell. 